Hello and welcome to the Sports Technology Podcast. In this episode, we speak with Bob Roble, sports technologist. Our conversation covers his latest venture, Sports Techie, as well as his views on a lot of the big technologies used by big sports leagues. He generates and organizes a wealth of sports tech-related news and info, and you can find links to everything on our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com. And remember to follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Technology Podcast. This is Mike, and with me today is Henry. Hello. And our guest today is Bob Robble from Seattle. He's going to talk about some of the work he's been doing in the industry. Hello. So, Bob, can you just give us a brief intro of what you're up to now and kind of some of the past experience you've had with the sports technology industry? Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm a sports technologist. I've been in this industry for probably over 15 years. Got a big break with the Seattle Seahawks. In 1997, after working for Paul Allen on the stadium campaign team here in Seattle, we get the new Quest Field, which is now Century Link, the new stadium. I was on that campaign team. In 1987, I started working with the Seattle Seahawks in some game planning software that was revolutionary for the NFL. It was a Windows 95 based. And so that got me hooked with sports technology. Fast forward up to a few years ago, and I was the moderator for Wet Paint here in Seattle at .com, and the moderator job had me uh, working with the New York Giants historical wiki, the Houston Rockets historical website, and the Atlanta Thrashers, Big East Basketball, and many other websites like HBO Entourage, and I did a Dancing with the Stars blog for MSN. That experience, yeah, I took that experience uh, with online communities, combined that with my passion for online for sports technology, and came up with Sports Techie, which is an online community, a resource for everybody in the world for sports technology. Okay, so one of the things that we like to ask some of our guests is how do they define sports technology? So I think it's a it's an up-and-coming field. Like There's a lot of different aspects to it. There's the media side. There's the engineering side. What do you perceive as, as sports technology? That's a very good question. Sports technology to me is simply sports and the merger of technology. And that can be in any sport, at any level, and with any piece of technology. I'm, I'm very uh, fluid how I define that. So that's how I go with it. Sports technology is simply any technology piece that uh, complements sports. Okay, so that includes both the spectator and the, the athlete or the coach as well? Absolutely. It's a, like you said, it's a big field. I, I believe sports science, uh, social media, you know, sports marketing, sports business, which is very popular. They're all verticals, they're all uh, disciplines, and I believe that sports technology is also the new discipline of the future. So it sounds like from, from some of the stuff that you've done in the past that your focus is mainly on taking information generated by sports and then using that information to, I guess, improve the experience of spectators and also perhaps influence coaching decisions. Is that... Uh, Henry, right now I'm a content play at uh, Sports Techie, so I, I create my own content and I repurpose other... Uh, brands and, and people's content. So uh, right now it's sports technology, and sure there are performance enhancement uh, elements to it for your your basic athlete to your professional athlete. Sports technology has a whole bunch of different uh, products. Uh, there's systems. There's you know heart rate monitors, treadmills. Uh, you name it. It's it's uh, in fact Nike just came out with a 1.1 billion dollar contract with the NFL to help put out their uh, visors and other sports technology products. So you're going to see a lot wow. more on television. And, uh, you know, we like to say that we're on the, the cutting edge of all that. 
Do you think there's there's one area that's kind of exploding more than others right now at the moment? I think there's, I mean, you've mentioned a lot of development, but would you say now we're in the era of of media or, or like more personal sports or or equipment or what, what do you think? Well, Mike, I believe that applications are probably the way to go uh, in the future of sports technology. Everything's being uh, shrunk and becoming uh, mobile. So you'll have your uh, ability to, you know, if you're a professional athlete, dive in and look at your data, some of your performance data, your analysis from your coach, looking at video review, uh, 3D, uh, augmented reality even could probably be used in this segment. And then as far as a fan, you know, you've got your social media play. You've got a lot of different rich text, excuse me, uh, technology, uh, diverse. Hard to really say exactly where it's going to go. But, uh, you know, I follow the, the big brands, Under Armour, you know, Nike, Adidas. They all seem to get it that young, especially the young generation, love technology. It's become part of their DNA. And uh, I'd like to uh, complement that with uh what sports techie is all about. So one of the questions I've had is sports have kind of been, the games themselves have really evolved over the last century or so, and it seems even more so with the new advent of media, social media, internet, and even new equipment. How do you think the leagues and the games themselves have been at adapting new technology into not only the player's experience, but the, the fan experience as well? My favorite would be, of course, tennis and the Hawkeye line. I think it's brilliant. I love the way that they've incorporated this technology into a very uh, difficult situation, which is the end line and the ball hitting it. And, of course, they've put in two challenges per set, and now it's become part of the game. They've used sports technology and the Hawkeye technology to, to really enhance the game, make it strategic. And I see that as the future of sports technology, where it's integrated into the game. Uh, I know that Major League Baseball just passed a contract and they are now deciding whether to use, well, the umpires are now deciding. It's been decided by baseball to go ahead and use uh, video replay on foul balls and, uh, you know, shots down the line and decide if the ball is fair or foul. And I think that that will probably be an unlimited challenge, but then, in fact, it might be a couple of challenges each coach will have, just like tennis. So I think the merger of sports technology with sports in terms of being part of the game is really exciting, and that's where we're going to see a lot of the blending of technology and sports. Is there a specific There's, sport that you follow? Is there something that really... Uh, I love the NFL. Uh, okay. I love the NFL. Uh, you know, I love Major League uh, Baseball and MLS soccer. You know, I really got started with sports techie during the World Cup in South Africa, and I noticed that Set Bladder and FIFA were not allowing technology at all. But what they did allow was a discussion of goal line technology. So that's where I set my little island and sat on that and decided to be uh, an advocate for goal line technology. And as I sat there and continued to, you know, pump out information about goal line technology and the lack of it in the World Cup, of course, no one really I can't see no one. Many media uh, entities didn't really want to talk about it until the infamous England-Germany <laughs> game where, in fact, it was a goal that wasn't a goal, which ironically enough happened uh, previously in 1966, the year I was born for England. So it's just too bad that it's happened to this, this country twice in the World Cup. Every four years, you work so hard to get to this level. And unfortunately, rather than being proactive with 
uh, goal line technology, FIFA was being reactive, and it cost it clearly cost England uh, a chance to win that game. So there was a, a picture on your website of a touchdown that wasn't a touchdown. I think so I think this was an NFL game that was. Um, and you, right. you cited it as another example for for goal line technology. Um, Henry, that's a, that's, a, that's a great point there. Uh, that's where everything started for me at the end of my uh, tenure with Sports 2000, which had developed the Gridiron 2000, an NFL game planning system, expert system built on Gulf War One technology that hmm. my boss, Colonel Jim Tomes, had developed with the Seattle Seahawks, and Paul Allen had just bought the team, the Microsoft co-founder. At the end of the season, uh, the Seahawks needed to win two games, they needed to beat the New York Jets in New York to allow this scenario to play out and beat the Broncos in the last game of the season. Unfortunately, they never got that opportunity, and the coach got fired. And the reason was because the NFL really screwed up the play that you're talking about there in the picture, where Vinny Testaverde, the quarterback for the New York Jets, scored a phantom touchdown where the ball never crossed the line. Every single replay you saw uh, <laughs> confirmed that. Unfortunately, the refs had no ability to change the call or even huddle together in a group, and so the rest is history. The NFL uh, had a few more incidents over the next year that really caused them to take a look at that rule, and most people say that the New York Jets phantom touchdown by Vinny Testaverde is the reason that we have instant replay back in the NFL. And as a result of that call, my company went under. So it was a startup, we were doing pretty well, but... We really couldn't overcome the fact that our number one client, Dennis Erickson, the head coach of the Seahawks, was fired um, mm. pretty soon after that call. So it was, an, it was a game changer for me, and it really made me look at technology and sports in a different way, where so I think complement the game and get the call right, and that's really where we, uh, we stick ourselves and, uh, and want to see it go. So I think FIFA, like you mentioned, FIFA is quite conservative about what technology they allow. Do you think the NFL is similarly old-fashioned? You know, I, I wrote a blog about that. Uh, I believe football, uh, American football definitely needs goal line technology, perhaps worse than soccer does. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. When you have everything on the line for a goal, for a touchdown, and it's very difficult to see the ball cross the line, I think it'd be pretty simple to put together a technology package that helps the officials get that call right. But then you also have to have it on the first down line. So it's going to be a big process. The NFL is one of the best, I believe, in implementing technology. I believe Major League Baseball has been very hesitant. But there are a lot of reasons. There's a lot of, I'm a political science major from Whittier College, and I know how it goes with uh, you know slow processes. And technology has been one of those processes that's been very slow to adapt uh, by the big leagues. Um, but you do see some that are a lot more uh, proactive, and the NFL is definitely in that category. What do you think, like from a practical point of view, how does a technology really come into, like a new technology come into a league like the NFL? It, does it take a, an instance like blown calls where millions of people see the result on TV and in a replay that's clearly wrong by an official? Is that really the impetus? Or do you, like are the leagues more proactive in trying to always research new ways they can just benefit the game? Well, that's a great question. I think it's both. I think that in the year 2012 here, it's you have to be on the cutting edge. You have to be looking at all solutions and see how they complement or, you know, perhaps work against your 
philosophies as a business or a sports business. On the other hand, a lot of these leagues have been around for many years, and if it doesn't, if it's not broken, don't fix it is sort of their adage. And I think that there's a lot of confidence in the officials. Um, there's a lot of confidence in the solutions they have in place to kind of check and balance bad calls. But ultimately, in the end, it's all about assisting the officials and getting the calls right with technology, since we're talking about that. And I think most of these leagues are starting to understand that, uh, that technology complements that, that goal. The one that's very slow right now in implementing it is FIFA, as we talked about. Word is they want to have it in place for uh, Rio, uh, the World Cup in uh, 2014, but they're having trouble introducing it to the Premier League this year or next. So the timeline's very fickle. I'm not sure that they'll get it done. I personally don't think they will. I think that they're standing on an island right now again, waiting and waiting and waiting. I think the excuses that some of these leagues use that the technology's immature or very expensive, those did hold true in the past, but in today's modern markets, not true. Uh, technology is advanced. It's super, super good, and the price has gone down. Like any technology piece, the new generations come out, it gets easier to use, and it gets cheaper in price. So those platforms are no longer valid for the pro, pro sports leagues, and they know it. It's just a matter of getting the right solution in place. What you're seeing now, though, guys, is, is a, a new problem, which is the video reviewer. So there aren't any standards for the person that reviews the video. And these people need to be trained, they need to be tested and, and constantly updated on the newest technologies. And so I'm not seeing that kind of a, a platform right now in the pro leagues. They're just sticking in people that are probably qualified in their own mind. But for me, being able to look at video is a, is a skill. And, you know, most of the officials they put into the booth to review video are a little bit older. And I like to see that come down in age a little bit. For my own reasons, I think that's probably the way to go. And uh, sports and technology in the big leagues are, are going to go hand in hand uh, as we you know, move on into the future. Yeah, and I think that you definitely touched on it a little bit with the, the demographics of you have more and more younger people watching sports that are used to new technology and used to adopting new media and stuff like that, they almost expect it in that the sports are going to adapt that as well. If they can somehow improve the game in how it's officiated or how they actually view it. Absolutely. The, I think I think the viral effect that fans have now with the smartphones, they're out there tweeting during games, you know, videotaping plays, you know, sending out YouTube videos or Vimeo videos to their, 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 their groups, their, their, you know, their, their followers. And uh, I think that kind of effect has really taken sports by storm, where you're having fans, young fans who are very into the game, uh, like I said, record these moments, make them viral, and making the leagues look really bad when they cannot adjust the calls and get them done correctly. So I think that kind of movement uh, with the young generation is going to quickly accelerate sports technology to an adoption rate that's a lot quicker than it is today. Kind of getting back to the Sports Techie website, where do you see that going? Where do you see it now and maybe in six months or a year? Right, so right now my sportstechie.net is a blog. 
and it's been that way for almost two years. In the next six months, I'd like to see it evolve into more of a website. Uh, I use WordPress right now, but the idea of some revenue streams coming off of Sports Techie is where the growth is for me. Um, I've already established myself as a brand uh, through the website and through the blog, and eventually it needs to take on a new life of its own. I complement the blog with my social media platforms at YouTube. I have a LinkedIn group. I've got a Twitter account. I've got a Facebook page. I even use MySpace. Uh, so that all can be launched from my blog, and there's quite a bit of content on my blog. In the future, one of the things I'd like to get into in the next 6 to 12 months is an online store where I'm a value-added reseller, reseller, a VAR, or an original equipment manufacturer, an OEM, where I'm making my own products, and you know, sell that to sports techie world out there that are interested in sports technology products. Going back many years now, you said you've been in, in kind of involved in sports technology for a good 15 years or so. That's, I guess, very nearly near the, the start of sports technology or when it was very much in its infancy. What, uh, what inspired you to kind of take up sports technology? Why did you choose to, to get involved with, uh, with such a field? Well, you know, they say 15 years in sports technology is probably about 75 years in real time. So I've definitely seen a lot of development in sports technology from its infancy to where it is today and the $1.1 billion contract between the NFL and Nike. So it's, it's definitely an area of growth. And since I saw that from the beginning, that's where I've decided to put my passion in terms of the business model. You know, looking at the history of my <clears throat> my career, as you will, you know, I have to go back to when I was born. Uh, I was born in Spartan Village at Michigan State. Magic Johnson's always been my idol, and I've, I've actually worked for him. Uh, I saw another... that picture on your website. <laughs> Thanks a lot. It's pretty yeah, cool. I was, I was actually a basketball agent at that time, uh, Jerry Maguire-ish. It was before the movie, of course. <laughs> I placed a couple guys with the L.A. Lakers and Coach Dale Harris, and it was quite a, a, a thrilling moment in my career. But the NBA strike and, I, and that company folded, and I, I came back to Seattle and, uh, and started my new career in sports technology. But uh, the, the other big moment I believe I'd share is that I grew up down the street from Microsoft. So when we hmm. moved to, to Redmond, Washington in 1977, you know, Microsoft was a two- or three-year-old company. And we were literally down the street in Redmond from that company. And, you know, when, you, when you're a 12 to 13-year-old kid and you love The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and, and all the fantasy movies, and then you see Microsoft come in, you, you start to dream big. And I've not stopped since then with dreaming about sports and technology and the merger of the two. So those are kind of significant moments in my life that have caused me to really focus on sports technology. After I worked for the Seahawks in 97, I, I decided to do my own startup, which was a very uh, fascinating and fantastic opportunity. It was called, it was my previous startup called Sports TNT, which is short for Sports Technology and Training. My partner was Stuart Rosen. He had a company that he started with an animation engine that was partnered with Microsoft, who had developed Microsoft Baseball for the PC. And they had Nomar Garcia Parra on the cover, if you remember that game. But we took that animation engine and turned it into a training tool, tried to raise 
six million dollars. I had a interactive CD-ROM business plan. I had Mickey Loomis on our board of directors, who's the present general manager for the New Orleans Saints. So I, I, I did it right. Unfortunately, it was a dot-com bubble. I couldn't raise the money, but I sure learned a lot. And you know, through that experience, I kept going. I've worked for other sports technology companies like Dartfish uh, down in Atlanta. I helped open up their um, office. And I don't know if you know about Dartfish. Many people do in the sports technology world. They have video analysis that 60% of the medal winners in the Vancouver Olympics, Olympic Games, use Dartfish to train. Very, very advanced technology. They're a Swiss company backed by Intel. And so in 2001, I got that experience working down there for a year until the 911 uh, tragedy hit and I moved back to Seattle. And, uh, you know, through the years, I've worked for a lot of different sports technology companies, building it all up, as I mentioned, until working for wet paint and the, you know, the moderation job I had for the online communities. And now I've got sports technology, which is, a, you know, a growing company. I've got uh, quite a few followers on Twitter. I do a lot of uh, content building on Facebook. And I'm really excited about the growth in my LinkedIn group. Uh, where there's a lot of experts and uh, you know fellow sports technologists that get together and you know, discuss sports technology. For someone for someone today who's looking to start a career in sports technology, perhaps someone with just a, a passion for sports and, and technology, what would you recommend as a, a way to kind of get involved with that as a as a career or profession? That's a great question. I, I think that the first thing you need to do is, is I believe in education. I know there's a movement out there that college isn't really what it's uh, made out to be, that you can get ahead other ways. But let me tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the most uh, due diligent, uh, press-on kind of people you ever met. Uh, it took me 11 years to graduate from Whittier College, and that's seven different colleges. But I kept driving ahead, I kept going at it, and it, eventually I finished it. And it's that kind of attitude I think you need to take with sports technology, where when you see a product, when you see a brand, when you see an opportunity, you need to go after it. You need to let those companies know that you have a passion. Uh, there's a friend on Facebook now, I believe from Ireland, named Brian. Uh, he keeps tweeting me about uh, helping him get an internship here in the States. And his passion, his uh, intuition, and his proactiveness is exactly what you need to do to try to get in with the big boys like a Nike or an Under Armour who have incredible sports technology uh, futures. However... I believe that uh, some of the best fits would be with startups. Uh, startups are hungry for talent. They're hungry for um, you know innovative people, and uh, and they have room for growth. President Obama wants small business to help turn our country, the U.S., around, and I believe that sports technology is one of those vertical markets that will help do that. And uh, if you can go out there and and find a company that's small and help them grow to a medium size, whether hiring five to ten to a hundred, you know, employees. I think you're doing pretty well. Great. So this is a really fascinating conversation. If people want to find out more information, obviously you've mentioned your blogs and your websites and LinkedIn. Could you just give us a little bit of a recap on that, and then we'll post them to the internet or to the website as well? Sure, no problem. My, um, I do a lot of my um, conversations, my engagement at Twitter, which is at Sports Net. Techie's a very interesting spelling, but sports techie net is S-P-O-R-T-S. Techie's one word, T-E-C-H-I-E-N-E-T. So it's sports techie net. I also am on YouTube. You can look up sports techie. 
I have a YouTube, uh, excuse me, I have a uh, Facebook page, which is Sports Techie. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, excuse me, on uh, MySpace, as I mentioned earlier, which a lot of people are using MySpace, but I, I believe that you probably should pay attention to MySpace. It's a, it's a very nice platform, and uh, they've recently been bought out. Uh, again, my blog at www.sportstechie.net is always available. And uh, my YouTube channel, I think I mentioned that. Really fun. I love YouTube. YouTube was bought by Google. Uh, YouTube has a lot of future in sports technology. They're very focused on it. I think a lot of their, uh, what they call uh, trending or favorite videos now have sort of a sports tech flair. Uh, so you can find me on those platforms. Thanks, Bob, and thanks, listeners, for listening. You can find links to all of Sports Techie's websites on our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com. And remember to follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Bye.